Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. Hello, this is Thursday, July 26th, 2018. Homeowners might be getting very close to witnessing a decision from the U.S. Supreme Court that settles rescission procedure under the Truth in Lending Act in favor of the borrower once and for all and doubling down on their previous unanimous 9-0 Jesenowski decision, which virtually all courts are what? Ignoring. Several cases are in the pipeline. Homeowners deserve to win if they're being sued by people who have no interest in their loan. That's called lack of subject matter jurisdiction or legal standing an issue which can be brought up at any time and applies retroactively to the date that subject matter jurisdiction was lost. TILA, that's the Truth in Lending Act, TILA rescission under 15 U.S.C. 1635 strips away the facade of standing based upon paper instruments, and it provides relief only to a real creditor who owns the debt and has the risk of economic loss. This time, what we have on our side is the fact that lower courts, ignoring rescission, are now put in the position of directly challenging the authority of the U.S. Supreme Court. It's a direct challenge to the power of the U.S. Supreme Court because they already ruled on this. And they, they did so with great clarity with Justice Scalia writing for the unanimous court. I don't think the Supreme Court will look kindly on any decision from a lower court that challenges the supremacy and authority of the U.S. Supreme Court. So I think we are in the number of cases that are in the pipeline seeking uh, writ of certiorari, I think we are nearing a point in time when we are going to get yet another decision, even more sarcastic and perhaps a little angrier than the one that we've got in Jesenowski versus Countrywide. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida, and this show is brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Lending Lies, Amgar, and the Garfield Firm with offices in South Florida 
And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not yet contributors, we ask that you hit the donate button on the blog or call 954-451-1230 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. If this show has value for you, if our work, which is done without payment or other support, if our work has value to you, then chip in. Help. We have a number of people here who are working to produce the free information and analysis that we do every day on the Living Lies blog. Please make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. One of the problems is that homeowners don't actually know who is suing them or who is starting foreclosure proceedings or who is controlling the foreclosure proceedings. And the banks obviously are not offering anything that puts the homeowner on notice that the real party and interest might be completely missing. Hence, they have nobody to talk to about settlement. That's the homeowner. has nobody to talk to about settlement. Nobody to talk to about modification. Nobody to talk to about workout. And more importantly, nobody to talk to about fashioning a defense narrative that will, could, and should win in court. Teal of rescission is the antidote to fraudulent foreclosure. That's what it was made for. The real creditor must step forward in a timely manner or they lose the debt completely. Rescission voids the note and voids the mortgage or deed of trust immediately upon notice. But the debt could still be enforced if a real creditor stepped forward. It wouldn't be secured, but the debt could be enforced. Uh, potentially, in, uh, for those lawyers, uh, on grounds of equity as well as law. In, case, in the case of rescission, under the Truth in Lending Act, the statute says, and the Supreme Court of the United States agrees, that it is game over for the banks as soon as notice of rescission is sent. The deal's done. The loan agreement is canceled. The note is void. The mortgage and the deed of trust is void. That is true regardless of the nature of any dispute a creditor wants to raise or might want to raise. So what I'm saying there is it doesn't make any difference whether there is something theoretically wrong with the mailing of the notice of rescission. It's still effective. That's what the Supreme Court said in Jesenowski versus Countrywide. That's what the statute says. And that's the way I think it's going to be. But it's true, unfortunately, that the lower courts are ignoring Jesenowski and even ignoring the wording of the statute. The unanimous 9-0 decision of SCOTUS that's the Supreme Court of the United States, in Jesenowski, put the whole thing to rest when Justice Scalia, writing for the entire court, stated 
that the statute makes no distinction between disputed and undisputed rescissions. Notice he didn't say claims. He said disputed rescissions and undisputed rescissions. There is no distinction. Rescission is effective when mailed. The court said that no borrower needs to file any claim or lawsuit in order to make TILA rescission effective. All that is needed is notice. If the rescission is disputed for any reason, the burden is on a creditor with legal standing to file a lawsuit seeking relief from the court. That relief could include vacating the rescission if the grounds are proper. Here is the catch that the banks want to avoid. First, the, the rescission is effective no matter what, as long as notice is given. Notice I said first. I'm talking procedurally first. I'm talking chronologically first. First, rescission is effective no matter what, as long as notice was given. Second, procedurally second, chronologically second, a lawsuit must be brought alleging standing. But because of the order in the statute, which the court picked up on in Jesenowski, but did not specifically rule on, on this aspect, but it was implied in everything that they said. They can't assert standing based upon the note and mortgage because first the rescission was effective. That means the loan agreement was canceled and the note and mortgage are void. So they can't assert standing based upon a void note and a void mortgage. This is crystal clear in the Jesenowski decision from the U.S. Supreme Court where Justice Scalia emphasized it, writing for the entire court, by saying that they were ruling upon when decision becomes effective, which is upon mailing. If you read that decision, you will see that what I'm saying is exactly what the Supreme Court said, not adding any opinions or color or anything. That's what Justice Scalia said writing for a unanimous 9-0 Supreme Court. We're left with questions only because the lower courts are in open rebellion against the Supreme Court. These lower courts, state courts, state appellate courts, federal trial courts, federal appellate courts, they basically refuse to apply the law as written and as enunciated by their boss, the highest court in the land. In the Jesenowski decision, the court gave one simple reason for its decision. The statute is clear on its face. Therefore, and this is, again, read it in Jesenowski, no court has the authority to change it, interpret it, or impose any conditions. The only condition for the effectiveness of a notice of rescission is the mailing 
or delivery of a notice from the borrower stating the intent to cancel the loan agreement. Nothing else matters. The rescission is effective on date of mailing. And again, I say that whether there were defects in the legal thinking of the homeowner when they sent that, that's a matter for the creditor to bring up. A real creditor with real risk of loss who owns the debt. What do we do about courts who inexplicably refuse to follow the law? SCOTUS already struck down shoddy decisions based upon uh, viewing rescission as a claim rather than an event in Jesenowski. Very clear that the court was completely unanimous and emphatic that this was an event. It's not a claim. People who file suit asking the court to declare the rescission as effective are inviting the court to treat the claim of rescission under common law instead of statutory law. Let me repeat that. If you file a suit, it better be, first of all, within one year from the date of rescission, and second of all, it better be to enforce the duties imposed on the creditor, not asking the court to issue an order that says the rescission is effective. It is effective by operation of laws. What the statute says is what the Supreme Court said in Jesenowski. So what do we do when courts inexplicably refuse to follow the law? We preserve our rights. We file the appeals. And I think you're going to see in the not-too-distant future a Supreme Court decision that might even reach out with an injunction issuing strict instructions to the lower courts to follow the law and follow the decision in Jesenowski. How should lawyers advise their clients? On the one hand, they know that rescission is effective because that's what the law says. And the highest court in the land agreed and the highest court in the land is the boss of all other courts. The loan agreement is canceled. The note is void. The mortgage is void, all by operation of a clearly written law. And on the other hand, lawyers know that the law isn't being followed. So how do you advise a client with that? Basically, they have to tell them exactly what I just said. Here's the law. And statistically, the chance of a court following the, the law here at the moment is very slim. So you're going to have to be prepared to go up the uh, 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 appellate ladder in order to potentially in order to preserve your rights. This is going to be an interesting uh, situation if the court rules the way I think they're going to rule because... Um, void 
as a matter of law, by operation of law, means that the event happened. So even if it, if it happened back in 2001, everything after that that is based on the existence of the loan agreement, on the existence of the note and mortgage, that would be void as well. Now, that might be filtered through state law in terms of regaining property and things like that. But technically, any foreclosure that occurred after a notice of rescission was sent and while the uh, loan agreement was still active would be void as a matter of law. Now, I always advise people to record their notice of rescission because although the statute says that the creditor must file the uh, uh, release and satisfaction of the mortgage or deed of trust, they, of course, never do. And they never send back the canceled note either, nor do they pay the money that's required by the statute. So... The fact patterns are usually virtually identical. A homeowner has sent or delivered a letter notifying the apparent servicer and perhaps other parties that the borrower is canceling the loan agreement. At that point, the agreement is over, along with the note and mortgage by operation of law. It's done. There's no claim that it's done. It's done. It seems that effort should be made to strike all pending, if you're currently in litigation, to strike all pending activity and to dismiss any foreclosure case on the basis that the court lacks jurisdiction over the subject matter because the borrower sent rescission notice pursuant to 15 U.S.C. 1635. Pursuant to that federal law, the loan agreement is replaced. Let me, let me say that again. The loan agreement is replaced. So replaced with what? It's replaced as a matter of law, by operation of law, by a statutory scheme for cancellation of the loan transaction. The order in which things occur is set forth clearly in the statute. First, the rescission, then compliance or noncompliance by the creditor, and then there's a window of one year in which the borrower can sue to enforce the duties of the creditor. As a practical matter, Nobody does anything. Some lawyers and many judges, in fact, have mistaken that because there's a statute of limitations of one year from the date of an event um, to mean that, well, even if the rescission was effective, it's not anymore. No, that's not what it means. It's not what it says. And that's made up gobbledygook while it, the, the uh, uh, rescission 
does cancel the loan transaction, puts into place the statutory scheme, but it does not cancel the debt. It does not make the debt, it does make the debt unsecured. And it does require action by the creditor, timely action by the creditor, before the creditor can, can demand payment. That is, satisfaction of the three duties. Unless the creditor files suit within that 20-day period for the three duties to be performed and establishes their legal standing and asks the court to vacate the rescission and reinstate the note, mortgage, and loan agreement. Nobody ever does that. By the way, everything I'm saying here has been told to the banks by their own lawyer, by their own lawyers. I have copies of some of the presentations saying exactly what I'm telling you now. While TILA rescission pre preserves the debt, the loan agreement is canceled, and we lose the note and mortgage by operation of law, effective the date of delivery of notice of rescission. So, after notice, the creditor has two options, comply with the rescission or file suit to vacate the rescission within 20 days from delivery of the notice of rescission. If the lender fails to act within that time period, it is deemed to have acquiesced in the rescission. So there is a presumption in favor of the borrower. And it is in violation of the three statutory duties imposed by the creditor by 15 U.S.C. 1635, thus barring it from making any claim on the debt until they satisfy those three duties. So after the 20 days have expired, both the creditor and the debtor have a one-year period of limitations to either enforce the three statutory duties or, in the case of the creditor, enforce the debt as an unsecured claim, but only if they have previously satisfied the three statutory duties, which they never do. In order to enforce the debt within one year, the creditor must plead and prove legal standing without the documents that are now void. So they can't use the note and mortgage to prove their supposed standing. They have to be an actual creditor who owns the debt. And they must allege and prove compliance with the three statutory duties imposed as a prerequisite to demanding payment. And they must allege injury, economic loss, and demand a remedy at law or in equity. The three statutory duties are return of the original uh, note, release and satisfaction of the encumbrance, the mortgage or deed of trust, recorded in county records by the creditor, and return of money paid by the borrower. Now, they never do that. That's why I tell uh, borrowers that they probably should use self-help and when they issue a notice of rescission they should record it in the county records because that will protect their property interest more than uh, an unrecorded rescission which may be effective by operation of law but nobody can be held to have notice of it unless it's recorded. Uh, 
if the creditor satisfies those conditions, it may then and only then demand payment. It has one year to do so, after which the enforcement of the debt is barred by the statute of limitations included in the Truth in Lending Act. The same statute bars action by the borrower to enforce the statutory duties. So after one year, if neither party takes any action, enforcement of the debt is barred and enforcement of the three statutory duties is barred. But the rescission was and is still effective by operation of law. The loan agreement is still canceled and the note and mortgage are void. In such circumstances, the borrower is left to his or her own devices in filing notices of interest in real property and perhaps seeking a declaration from a court declaring that the encumbrance is removed and the debt may not be enforced. Whether they do so or not, the loan agreement is still canceled and the note and mortgage are void by operation of law. I keep saying that in order to drill down the point that this is an event. The legal aspect has already occurred. The law says you send the notice, the deal's canceled. That's it. Just because a court order is not recorded somewhere in the county property records does not mean the order doesn't exist. This is a mistake that many people are making. Recording the rescission helps with this scenario, which by far is the most common fact pattern in existence. In most cases, neither the borrower nor the creditor took any action within the 20-day time period, nor did they take any action within the one-year period to enforce the debt or statutory duties. The creditor in this case is accordingly barred from seeking to recover the debt by the statute of limitations in the Truth in Lending Act. Despite the failure of the creditor to comply with 15 U.S.C. 1635, there are parties who continue to assert rights under the void note and void mortgage, which, as we've said, are void by operation of law and effective uh, on the date of delivery of the notice of rescission. In all events, the note and mortgage are void and were void the moment the notice of rescission was sent or delivered. By operation of law, those documents do not exist. Hence, the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction insofar as the claim is based solely on the void note and the void mortgage. No claim could be brought unless it is based on the debt, something that has eluded borrowers, homeowners for, what is it, 15 years now or more. So we've got the courts who are taking an antagonistic view towards Truth in Lending Act, which they always have, and in particular towards Teela Rescission. And they're rebelling. They, the courts in total, if you look at it um, of, at a distance, you can see that they're simply accepting any expression of a so-called dispute with the rescission uh, 
as creating a condition the satisfaction of which is required to make the rescission effective. And what the court said in Jesenowski, what the statute says, uh, and what logic says, given the purpose and the intent that Congress had when it passed the Truth in Lending Act and put this provision in it as a punitive provision to prevent banks from using their superior position to defraud homeowners and others in connection with uh, even the so-called most simple loan closings. More information is available on this from the blog for free, livinglies.wordpress.com. Have a good night and a good weekend. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lies Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony, and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.